The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Welcome to our podcast, The Tactical Take, where we discuss our thoughts on the markets, highlighting the opportunities and risks that we see in the current environment and how we're positioned in the tactical sleeves of the Natixis models to reflect this backdrop. My name is Jack Janisiewicz, Portfolio Manager and Lead Portfolio Strategist with Natixis Investment Manager Solutions, and I lead the Natixis Investment Manager Solutions Investment Committee. Let's talk about something we all probably have heard, most likely at the start of the pandemic, the bullwhip effect. This is a supply chain phenomenon describing how small fluctuations in demand at the retail level can cause progressively larger fluctuations in demand at the wholesale, distributor, manufacturer, and raw material supplier levels. Think of it as something like cracking a whip. When the person holding the whip snaps their wrist, the relatively small movement causes the whip's wave patterns to increasingly amplify in a chain reaction, a sine wave for those math geeks a series of peaks and valleys that see the amplitude of that wave grow larger over time. That's what we're talking about here. The term bullwhip effect was first coined by Procter & Gamble researchers in the early 1990s. It was used to describe the phenomenon they observed in the supply chain for their Pampers brand diapers. They noted that small changes amplified consumer demand as they moved up the supply chain, leading to significant inefficiencies and increased costs. The COVID-19 pandemic provided one of the most recent examples of the bullwhip effect with toilet paper being the center of attention this time around, not diapers. Stores rushed to increase their orders and keep their shelves stocked as panic buying caused supply shortages. Manufacturers further up the global supply chains likewise increased production to keep up with the excessive increase in customer demand. Over time, we found once bare store shelves were now well stocked, and attempting to profit from cornering the toilet paper market proved to be an ill-conceived get-rich-quick scheme. The lack of toilet paper was only a short-term phenomenon. Hence, the bullwhip effect had been triggered. Companies are tasked with forecasting customer demand based on insufficient information and will try to predict how much product customers will actually want while accounting for the complex factors that enable that amount to be delivered correctly and on time. At each stage of the supply chain, there are possible fluctuations and disruptions which influence the myriad of suppliers' orders. Changes in customer demand directly influence all the other factors along the chain, including inventory. However, the bullwhip effect can occur even in relatively stable markets where demand is essentially constant. Forecasting demand has always been a difficult endeavor, and the increasingly complexity of today's global supply chain intensifies that difficulty, as does increasing consumer preferences. We've now seen this firsthand and can appreciate these complexities. Sure, we've been talking about the bullwhip effect for what seems to be years now, and we've been citing the drop in inflation as partially being driven by supply chains normalizing. So why are we bringing this up once again? Because the market may be conflating bullwhips with trends today. Yup, we've said before that the market loves to extrapolate recent data into trends and then carry those trends into perpetuity. And we may be at it once again, extrapolating current trends out well into the distant future. Recall that the bullwhip effect acts like a sine wave. We have peaks that turn into valleys and valleys that turn into peaks. And those peaks and valleys become greater over time. This time around, the bullwhip effect is happening in reverse. Instead of those peaks and valleys increasing over time, they're actually becoming smaller over time. 
the amplitude of that sine wave is shrinking as we move further out on the time continuum, like an echo. The sound of the echo doesn't get louder over time, it gets softer. So what exactly are we getting at here? The market seems to be settling on a bow-up effect rather than an echo effect, extrapolating current trends into the future through increasing amplitudes rather than diminishing ones. Think of the sine wave again. We move from a trough to a peak, but instead of that peak rolling over and turning back down at some point, we keep extending that line up and to the right, creating a larger amplitude than before, not a smaller one, extrapolating that trend well into the future. And this creates the classic overshoot. That's how we describe this latest move in the economic data and the reaction that we're seeing in terms of future expectations. Extrapolating this most recent reacceleration in the data through the lens of the bullwhip effect rather than treating this more like an echo. Extending that trend line up and to the right rather than seeing a series of successive bounces that prove to be smaller and smaller. The looming recession has been pushed out yet again as growth has begun showing signs of reaccelerating. Markets continue to extrapolate this trend well into the future despite the idea that this reacceleration may very well prove to be short-lived as the bull distortions in the economy continue to fade. A likely overreaction and an overshoot. Let's explain this in some more detail here. In late 2022, readers and listeners of our work would know that we stressed a list of headwinds that weighed on growth that were on the verge of flipping to meaningful growth tailwinds for 2023. We received quite a lot of flack for that call as recession fears ran wild. And while it perhaps took a bit longer than expected for some of those tailwinds to materialize, they're finally here now. Just look at that third quarter Atlanta Fed GDP Now prediction calling for growth of 5.6% as of September 1st. And while the final tally for third quarter is likely to be lower, that estimate should by all accounts solidify another strong quarter of growth after a strong first half. And that surprising growth resilience is certainly part of the story that we're seeing reflected in the continued March higher in long-dated yields. The move higher in yields has certainly challenged assumptions, but this increasingly appears to be another case of the narrative pendulum swinging too far in one direction. We overshot the recession outcome in April and May, and we're now very well could be overshooting the no-landing reflation outcome, this time with a particular vengeance. The consensus missed or ignored the tailwinds taking shape for 2023. And in the wake of that growth reacceleration, the consensus now seems to be extrapolating that strength well into the future, a potential classic extrapolation overshoot. Consensus finally acknowledging those growth tailwinds precisely at the moment when those growth catalysts are likely peaking and potentially beginning to fade. Or said better, those growth catalysts are beginning to stabilize. Markets operate in the first derivative space. Activity is likely to begin stabilizing at higher levels as the growth rate moderates, but remains resilient at still healthy levels. This holds true for a number of key tailwinds we've cited over the past year. The inventory adjustment cycle is largely completed, with inventories having been drawn down and in need of restocking as demand holds up, and even show signs of swinging back from the services-heavy consumption patterns we've witnessed in recent quarters. But restocking cycles are generally a shorter-lived phenomenon, lasting perhaps a few quarters. And this cycle is likely to be less extreme than the last cycle, as the bullwhip distortions continue to fade. A modest restocking as a part of the ongoing pandemic normalization, not a massive restocking in anticipation of a demand boom. The other area likely to see some moderation, autos. 
Industrial production and vehicle assemblies have rapidly surged back to pre-pandemic levels in the recent quarters, helping to provide a meaningful boost to growth and a disinflationary tailwind. Production is likely to remain robust in the quarters ahead as manufacturers continue to work to fill in the pandemic-induced inventory hold, which remains 25% below the pre-crisis trend. But production stabilizing at stronger levels suggests that the impulse to growth should begin to moderate. Growth will remain healthy, but the rate of change will slow. A similar story is likely to play out in housing. Stabilization at higher levels of activity is supportive for the economy, but the growth impulse is likely to be somewhat more muted in the coming quarters. Yes, the pipeline of signed contracts yet to see ground broken means that activity should remain supportive off the lows for housing construction, but that growth rate will moderate, particularly as higher mortgage rates begin to bite again on demand, even with homebuyers buying down rates. In addition, these tailwinds are still in play through the end of the year, but where consensus is extrapolating these catalysts well into 2024, they're more likely to be shifting from a major growth impulse to more of a floor for growth as we flip the calendar. The more you think about the pandemic and post-pandemic recovery, the more everything boils down to one big bull-up effect. Labor market tightness and wage growth, the inflation surge, the goods inventory build and drawdown cycle, and perhaps more importantly right now, shorter-term slowdowns, and reacceleration on economic growth. As a result, much of the improvements in inflation can be boiled down to normalization in the wake of those bullwhip distortions. Labor market supply improving, good supply chains easing, consumption patterns normalizing. Bullwhips don't resolve with one period of overshoot or undershoot. The effects ripple out with the amplitude slowly decreasing over time, like an echo. Where the supply chain bullwhip amplify the further upstream from the demand disruptions, the effects of the normalization slowly moderate over time the further away you move from the initial shock, a damped sine wave over time. And that's the key with the continued noise we see in the economic data. The growth reacceleration we're witnessing at the moment is a residual of those smaller and smaller amplitude waves of the normalizing bullwhip period of slower growth last year seeing a reacceleration this year, but the amplitude of that wave should continue to grow smaller over time as the economy fully normalizes and settles into a more durable and sustainable growth backdrop. The problem that we're highlighting, the market is extrapolating the shorter-term reacceleration into a more durable and structural trend. Another complicating factor, we've returned to the painful positive stock bond correlation environment of 2022. Fundamentals and technicals are creating a perfect storm for a self-sustaining narrative with no clear near-term circuit breaker until either growth data begins to moderate or real yields simply become too attractive to ignore. The narrative pendulum has been swinging aggressively this year and it doesn't look like that's stopping anytime soon. The conditions for a sizable overshoot certainly seem firmly in place. A lot of this was also fueled by imaginations running wild in anticipation of what Chair Powell might say at the Jackson Hole Conference at the end of August. This year's symposium topic of structural shifts in the global economy helped to fuel speculation that Powell might suddenly ratify the higher nominal growth and interest rate environment that the interest rate curve has been pricing in, and people way smarter than me have been debating. Markets are extrapolating the ripples in the bullwhip normalization, the perfect recipe for a narrative overshoot. And what has the market done as it extrapolated that reacceleration? Fully embraced higher for longer. The SOFA curve, a reflection of the market's future expectation of policy rates, now has Fed funds priced to remain close to 4% through mid-2028. Higher for longer. 
There's certainly scope for the Fed to revise their median dot higher, but the market has already done that heavy lifting and then some. Latecomers to these themes appear to be in full extrapolation mode, assuming a no-landing, higher nominal growth world only two months after a recession was a near certainty. But the pandemic bullwhips are continuing to create distortions in the data, making extrapolations of current data particularly dangerous. Real growth has been reaccelerating, and even as these tailwinds moderate, growth should remain healthy. But a brave new world of higher rates and higher nominal growth? Not so sure about that. And here's the rub. A soft landing and a no landing are going to look much the same until these growth drivers begin to show signs of softening. And that's not likely to be evident until we close in on 2024. So what do we do this month? Tilted further into cyclical positioning. We added more to our infrastructure play, reducing broad large-cap equity exposure for infrastructure-focused industrials. Broad small-cap exposure was also reduced in favor of more cyclically-focused small-caps. Within fixed income, the portfolio shifted its dollar-denominated emerging market debt in favor of local currency emerging market debt. With emerging market central banks the first to begin addressing inflation concerns by raising rates, they're seeing the fruits of their first mover advantage and are now leading the world in rate cuts. We expect emerging market currencies to benefit from a rate-cutting backdrop, all the while the U.S. Federal Reserve remains on hold for the near term. In last month's podcast, we noted that it would not surprise us to see August post some profit-taking given the run-up that we'd seen, combined with the seasonably weak technicals that are associated with the month. With that now behind us, seasonals tend to improve into the end of the year. And given our view that the Fed likely remains on hold for the next several meetings, we expect to see markets continue to grind higher into the end of the year and remain positioned accordingly. To wrap up our podcast, The Tactical Take, this is Jack Janisiewicz. Hope you enjoyed the commentary and thanks for listening. Important information. For listeners outside the United States, Natixis Investment Managers Distribution and Service Groups include Natixis Investment Managers SA, Luxembourg, Natixis Investment Managers International, France, and their affiliated distribution and service entities. These entities conduct any regulated activities only in and from the jurisdictions in which they are licensed or authorized. Their services and the products they manage are not available to all investors in all jurisdictions. For additional information and important podcasts disclosures for listeners outside the U.S., please consult im.natixis.com slash intl slash podcasts dash and dash other dash media. Further, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and not necessarily those of Natixis Investment Managers. These views were provided as of the date of recording and will not be revised. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute investment advice or an offer to buy or sell a financial product from any Natixis Investment Managers entity. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, and alternative investments. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Performance data discussed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Indexes are not investments, do not incur fees and expenses and are not professionally managed. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. This document may contain references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis Investment Managers or any of its related or affiliated companies. Collectively Natixis, such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds or other financial products, provided by Natixis distribution. 
Distribution, LLC, 888 Boylston Street, Boston, MA02199. Natixis Investment Managers includes all of the investment management and distribution entities affiliated with Natixis Distribution, LLC and Natixis Investment Managers SA. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Advisors, LLC provides advisory services through its division Natixis Investment Manager Solutions. Advisory services are generally provided with the assistance of model portfolio providers, some of which are affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. LLC Natixis Advisors, LLC does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax or legal professional prior to making any investment decision. Member SIPC, POD 37, September, 2023, Ad Tracks, 5931594, 1, 1, Expiration Date, April 30, 2024.